Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the E podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Justin Cohn from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette here for another episode of the show. And we have a special guest coming up in a bit, Aaron Luchuk of the Orlando Solar Bears, which we'll get to. Great interview with him. But first, a couple of weeks after, Justin, we had our talk about fighting and our little little scuffle about it and how it affects the pro game with rules in the ECHL and the junior levels kind of curtailing fighting. The South division seems to be getting a lot tougher. Savannah goes pirates and Jacksonville Iceman each added some heavyweights recently. Yeah. I mean, look, you're going to call this revisionist history, but my reflection on that episode was that Jacob is anti-fighting and Correct. Justin is pro-fighting. I, I like that you're not denying this. Uh, so I, so it did kind of stand out when I'm, I'm looking at some of the signings going on, particularly in the South Division. Uh, the Savannah Ghost Pirates, they are really loading up. Let me just give you a few names that they have signed. Yeah. Darian Skiach, he had 110 penalty minutes in 35 games last season. Logan Drevich, he had 74 penalty minutes in 69 games. They've now brought in Tyler Drevich, who was in Wheeling, where he had 179 penalty minutes in 72 games. And to top it off, we now have Anthony Collins, who is a, a rugged guy who had been with Kalamazoo, and he had 58 penalty minutes. So just those four guys alone, that's 421 penalty minutes from last season. So I'm not going to tell you that any of these guys that I just mentioned are necessarily one-dimensional because they are not. But they are definitely loading up for some toughness. And I get back to what a player told me last year who had, who had gone from the Central Division to the South Division. And I asked him what one of the big differences was. And he's like, really? You got to make sure that every game you are doing your due diligence, you, you are looking at the other team's roster because – they're, everybody's going to have a heavyweight out there at some point. You're going to have to deal with the Kyle Newbers of the world, the, the Travis Howes of the world. And we're seeing that again. So just a couple other things. Jacksonville signed Jack Van Bokel and Chase Ruddy, who's a player that I happen to really like, good defenseman. Uh, Atlanta, uh, they brought Jacob Graves back after they had traded him away to Fort Wayne last year. Uh, Orlando they haven't beefed up a ton yet, but Luke Boca, that's one guy that stands out. So I just think it's interesting that the South is maintaining its reputation. And if you look around the league, teams still are putting a value on those tough guys. Probably the most substantial signing Fort Wayne has made from a PR perspective mm -hmm. is uh, Morgan Adams Moison, who uh, has nine fights over the last three years. And the last two years he spent in the AHL. So if you're, you know, making a, a sort of proclaiming your major signing, being a guy that is known in Fort Wayne more than anything else for his toughness, I do still think that there is a premium on that. And, you know, we don't need to rehash the whole conversation, but well, these teams are being smart, you know, from a marketing standpoint and, and in the South from a, a building your team standpoint, in my opinion. Well, there's also a strategy too, right? Where because of the new rules, they have these teams assign multiple fighters. They may not dress every game, but you can kind of you can kind of move around the rules that way. Well, it's it's hard, you know. There have been some teams that have done it, but to me, it's hard to carry a guy on your active roster if you're not playing them. I mean, the, 
You can do it in the first yeah. month of the season because there is an extra roster spot. Uh, that's certainly not the intention of it. But I, yeah, I know what you're saying, though. What you need is versatile guys and all these guys that we just named. I mean, look, I, I may say Darian Skiach, 110 penalty minutes at 35 games, but he has some versatility. There's other things that he can do. Um, but there still is a premium on these types of guys, in, in my opinion. Absolutely. All right, let's throw it over to our interview with Aaron Luchuk. Our next guest is one of the ECHL's premier elite talents. He played last season in Italy and Sweden, but he inked a one-year contract with the Orlando Solar Bears this offseason. Before he headed overseas, he scored 165 points in his previous 149 ECHL games, spread across three seasons, third in the league, not a big deal. And then during the 2020-21 season, um, he led the ECHL in scoring with 74 points and was named to the ECHL's first all-star team as well. Without further ado, Orlando Solar Bears forward Aaron Luchuk. Luch, thanks for having how me. Doing? Of course, Matt. How you doing? Good, really good. Uh, just kind of surviving the hurricane right now, but uh, family safe, so can't complain. It's all that matters. And so, welcome back to this side of the pond. Uh, what have you been up to the last little bit? Uh, not too much. I mean, uh, obviously had a nice summer um, back in my hometown, Kingston, Ontario, which was nice. Um, but past couple of weeks, just been kind of getting ready to move down here and getting settled into the uh, new place, and just kind of getting real resettled um so it's been a lot of a lot of target trips with the wife but uh yeah things are good take us through a little bit uh just the process of you returning to the echl returning to orlando how, how that came together i mean did you did you know all along you wanted to come back to uh to the states or, or how, how did that process go for you yeah i think orlando's pretty much become a second home um and a wife down here during the COVID year um so when we left, we kind of had an understanding that eventually we would we would be back. Um, I think originally the plan would have been to play a couple of years over in Europe, but um, after the year that that I had and um, the ups and downs of it, it kind of just made a lot more sense to maybe fast track that um, with coming back this way. So um, I had a lot of really kept in pretty constant communication, even with even in throughout last year with Orlando and. Um, it's a different coach than when I was here. It's uh, Matt Carter now, but kept in pretty close contact with him and the president, just kind of seeing what made the most sense for both sides. And, um, you know, once the summer kind of started kicking off and contract offers started to kind of come in, uh, we were weighing, we weren't hundred percent sure that we were going to come back, but um, kind of what uh, made sense for the both of us and more so for my wife. I mean, it was a hard year for her traveling around and, we had a dog with us, so it made traveling pretty uh, stressful on her. Um, so it, it just made a whole lot of sense. A lot of pieces just kind of came into place. And, um, you know, we obviously love it on Orlando. So I'm excited to be back and I'm really excited about uh, hopefully kind of bringing a playoff contender and a championship contender back to Orlando. So, you know, it, it, the situation is a little different from you because – you know, like you said, Orlando is kind of a second home, but you know, when you're making these decisions in the off season about where you're going to play, um, you know, what are the factors you consider? I mean, is it all about, you know, how you like things off the ice? Because, you know, when you're sitting there in, in June, July, early August, you don't really know who's on the roster like NHL guys might, you know, you don't know who you're going to play with if the, if the nucleus is going to fit you. So, you know, what are the things that kind of 
you know, factor into that decision for guys like yourself? Yeah, I would say there's 101 different factors that people could take to different severities. I think for, for me, I mean, pros and cons, I've, I've played in a lot of organizations, AHL, ECHL, that I've kind of seen, in my opinion, some of the, probably the best organizations and then part, some parts of organizations that I really didn't like. Um, from being in Orlando and kind of seeing what, what they can offer, um, obviously they can offer – everything that pretty much every other team can offer on the ice. And that's this, the normal stuff, but the intangibles that come along with Orlando with a really, really up to like a up to par. They were really good practice facility down here. Um, housing's really good. Um, they really take care of their players and the families. And um, it's pretty nice to have an off day and sit by the pool and play around a golf. So um, there's uh, there's definitely those parts of the pros of Orlando and um not to say other places don't have that, but from being able to play parts of two years with this organization, I have a pretty good understanding of how management works. And um, I really do trust the, uh, the hockey operation staff that's, that's here and trust that they're going to put me um, in the best place to succeed. And I just have to kind of control what I can control and kind of go from there. I think you, you're really touching on something important though, because you know, reputations of franchises are a big deal at this level. Like, you know, I, I'm obviously covering the central division a lot and you know that like players kind of go in knowing the reputations of like Toledo and Fort Wayne that, you know, they're going to be taken care of and, you know, there's a good chance you're going to get called up. And, and then there's some other teams where you, you don't know, you know, the reputations are a little bit more sporadic. So, I mean, yeah. that, that's got to be important for you guys when you research franchises. Yeah, definitely. I think whether no matter what level and, whether it be NHL, AHL, ECHL, Europe. I think every team's kind of got their their sort of history around it and oh, players talk and we uh, from different teams and you get a good pretty good sense from other players that have experienced things, whether whether their most or their experiences were good or bad. And um, Orlando was the reason I came here was actually my best man in my wedding. He was playing here at the time during the COVID year. He was the one that dragged me out here. Um, in the first place. And it's really a lot of that. That's Clint Windsor. He's, uh, he's retired now, but he's, uh, living the high life as a real estate agent. But, um, he, uh, I feel like a lot of guys, especially at this level, usually go to a place in my position where they have a buddy that's experienced something good. Like, I don't feel like many, many guys on a whim go to a team without some prior knowledge. Mm. Um, and I think that's a big thing. Cause I think especially at this level, there are I mean, not that I have, I played in Brampton, for instance. Oh, we'll get to that. Um, we'll get to that. Yeah, not that they're there anymore, but there is like, I've seen no disrespect to the hockey up staff or anything there. They were they were great, but um, I've seen kind of the highs and the lows of this league uh, through my years, and um, yeah, I would say it's just Orlando hits every every point that I'd be looking for. Was it hard to take the plunge and, and go to Europe? You know, a lot of guys I talk to will say. It's always an option, but they always talk about it being later or in the distant future. When that moment came, was it a, a sort of process and, you know, a big decision to take the plunge and do it? Yeah, it was a big decision. Um, I think for it took for about, for about two or three years, I was it was kind of one of those things that you, you knew it's always there. Um, yeah. And so I was getting offers fairly consistently for the previous two years to, to head over in the middle of the seasons and stuff like that. Nothing ever felt 
right. Um, it kind of became one of those things that me and my wife were talking about and it was, it became a why not give it a go kind of thing. I know there's a lot of people that really do enjoy their European experience and make a career for themselves and a great life and stuff like that. So we kind of felt that if we didn't give it a go, even though we were very comfortable in Orlando and the career that I had over here, that if we didn't give it a go that when we were retired and had kids running around and stuff like that, that we probably might've regretted at least experiencing it and seeing where it could have gone. Um, so that was more the kind of feeling. It just kind of felt like if there was ever a time to do it now would have been the time. Cause just of where we were at in life that we kind of mm -hmm. could just get up and go and, and see where it took us. So, um, that was the reason why last year we really jumped, jumped at it and kind of felt like we could give it a chance. And then, yeah, it didn't, uh, I didn't have, like I could just say, I didn't have the greatest European hockey experience. So it was, uh, it had its ups and downs, but, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it, but let's do it right uh, now. So tell us, yeah. so it, it was a bit of a letdown. You were on three different teams, which obviously is an ideal. Um, Italy was one, your first stop. Then it was the Swedish league. Let's start with what the heck is the Italian hockey league? And what was that like? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, so the team that we were on was, I we signed with was Pustertal. Um, it, fairly new team to the ICHL. So they are playing um, in, against like the Austrian teams. There's three teams in Italy, uh, team in Hungary, team in Slovenia. So it's kind of all over that um, sort of area. Um, I mean, obviously right off the top, it was like to play in Italy. So it was kind of a cool little, one of those things like you get to say you can, you have to do it. Um, and they put a good offer in front of our face. So it wasn't like a, a thing that we could, we were kind of, uh, we took, like we knew we were taking a chance a little bit just because it was a kind of, like I said before, like it was a franchise that was fairly new and not a lot of yeah. guys had been around to kind of give you that sort of idea of what you're walking into. Um, but they threw an offer kind of in front of us that was a good offer. So it was something that we felt like we could take a risk on and it just, nothing worked out from the time we pretty much showed up. When did uh, it first it was, go south? Fair, I mean, fairly quick. I mean, again, it was, it was one of those situations that a lot of things were, were said and maybe not promised, but um, right. before we showed up and it just wasn't what anything seemed to be. Like it was, we were like living in a postcard. So like living was really nice and we were living in the mountains of Italy and stuff like that. It was really cool. But the hockey side of things was very everything over there is similar, but very different. I think that's the only way I can pretty much put it. Um, just a lot of the stuff that I had been used to regarding like the way coaches kind of interact with players to like equipment staff, fit and, like their the like, style. Yeah, exactly. And that wasn't anywhere close to what I was used to. Um, and it was just a very weirdly run organization with the board that ran the team pretty much being like the richest fans of the area. So things were very like a lot of decisions were very much up to the guy in section. I, the guy sitting. Yeah, there. very much. <laughs> and we didn't there. have a good, the team didn't have a good start. <laughs> so, I mean, I was there for, I would say close to four months. Um, we had three head coaches. That's in four amazing. months. Um, and just like constant sort of berating of players. And it was just a very, not that I haven't played for hard coaches, but it was just an environment that I definitely didn't, I didn't succeed in. I didn't put up great numbers. I didn't put up kind of what I was expecting or probably they were expecting. And 
neither was the team. So it was just pretty much the best way to describe it is anything that could have gone bad was going bad. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was just, it was, we tried it and then it, it didn't work. So that's probably the best way to put it. So before we get on to the next part, you know, obviously it didn't work out, but things like this, there's good stories that come from it. What's your best story from your time in the it- Italian hockey league? Best story. I mean, was the lifestyle. I mean, not that I'm, I wouldn't consult, call myself a world traveler by any means. Like I'm a guy that if I don't see the Eiffel tower in my lifetime, I'm not going to be overly upset. Um, the fact that you were living in Italy, I mean, we got to spend a week in Rome, mm-hmm. Venice. We did all that stuff. Um, and there was really good guys in the team, create a lot of really good friendships. Um, there's about 10, 10 to 12 North American guys over there. And we were all kind of miserable together. So you bond pretty quickly. And, um, yeah, really got a chance to explore kind of around there. And I mean, it is cool. I mean, I can't argue that it wasn't a really cool experience to be living in a small town of Italy, but, um, there's a lot of pros and cons to come with that too. With like, we didn't have a, <laughs> we didn't have a chain store in the entire town. Like there wasn't a single thing that you would recognize. They're all just kind of mom and pop shops and stuff, which was cool. Um, but also could be very boring. So, um, I would say say the memories is just the fact that we, we got to experience it. I think that was kind of the overall takeaway. I wouldn't say there's one shiny moment where I could say like, that was super cool. Other than like the traveling to like Rome and Venice, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the hockey just wasn't up to par as as compared to what like the living was, I guess you could say. You got any funny stories from, from playing over there? (sighs) Funny stories. I mean, it's just, I mean, everything's, everything's so different. I mean, there's to the, one of the funniest stories, I mean, I played with a guy. Um, I mean, he played in the ECHL a long time, I mean, Olivier Archimbo. Um, okay, yeah. And we had no idea about, like, how hotels worked over there. Um, and I, mean, I, feel like you, I don't know who you've been to Europe or whatever, but, like, when you walk into a hotel, you're not seeing two queen beds. You're seeing, <laughs> like, two very single beds almost touching each other. And so... I mean, that experiencing with him and stuff like that and like kind of simple stuff like that. I mean, there was a, we had a really good group. Um, and that was kind of the one thing that made it somewhat, uh, fun is that we were kind of going through it together and kind of seeing a lot of us were first time players in Europe too. So we were kind of all experiencing at the same time, which created some funny stories, but, uh, yeah, we had, uh, we had a, we had a good time for that, from that point of view. Well, I mean, we'd we'd never have crazy hotel stories from the ECHL. I mean, we didn't we didn't have anything <laughs> going out of crazy stories. Different <laughs> yeah, crazy yeah. stories. Bed bugs. Bed, yeah. Right, right. Our famous bed bug and uh, and mouse dropping episode from the last playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Uh, so, what about just the the quality of competition? You know, uh, how does you know like the Swedish leagues? How does that compare to the ECHL in terms of the quality of the play or? or even just differences in how the games are playing. I, I'm sure assuming there's less physicality. Yeah. It's hard to compare. I honestly think it's hard to compare the two because it's such, it's almost a different, completely different game over there. Like we're in the ECHL and AHL to a certain degree. And then there's, it's fairly similar. Both leagues um, can be some teams play run and gun. Some teams play defensive. I found in Sweden more so than Italy, it was like, insanely defensive um it was like a high soccer tactics they're doing soccer tactics on the board pretty like not exactly obviously but like 
you could see kind of tendencies with like how they, they treat the game. Like they want right. you to play as a five man unit. Uh, they want you to like, instead of like chipping a puck in, which I like had the hardest time getting over that like in Sweden, they didn't want you to like dump and chase, which is like the most prototypical play in North American hockey, especially mm-hmm. the ECHL. Like if you got nothing, chip it in, go and get it kind of put it in there and where it was completely vice versa, especially in Sweden. Like they wanted, if you had nothing, curl back, regroup, pass it back to defenders, kind of build speed, try again. And that to me was like such a weird thing to kind of get over just for the fact that for the past 15 years of my hockey life, I've been, if I had nothing, I'm chipping it in and chasing after it. So stuff like that. I mean, they very much, there's a lot of room to move around. Like it is less physical. Um, but even though the ice is bigger, they kind of like every team kind of collapses five men into the box. So there's a lot of point shots. There's a lot of like, you're not scoring a lot of goals from outside. Like it's a lot, if you're scoring a goal, it's for the most part, it's not either not a tap in, but you're doing a lot of like similar plays around the net to score, which is weird thinking they have a a bigger ice. Um, so I would say compared to the ECHL, like, I would say there is more skill, especially over in Sweden. There's a lot of players that just don't end up coming over here. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of like homegrown talent, which makes sense. I mean, it, yeah. it's like that they just, they stay over there and they're their hometown heroes and they make really good livings. And um, so you find a lot of really skilled, really fast players over there, but I would say I, I definitely enjoyed the way the game's played over here more where you're, there's a lot, I feel like there's more going on if, it's probably the easiest way to put it. And like, not that I, I love six, five games, but it's nice to have one every once in a while where down there it was three, two. It's like, whoa, that's a lot of goals. Like that's a high scoring game. So um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're similar, but completely different. And um, it, it was an adjustment for me. It was, I mean, it was, I think and that was probably the reason why things didn't go super well is that it, it took me a, a little bit longer than I expected to kind of fully get used to how they want the game to be played. But um, at the same time, I'm, I'm still proud of what I was able to accomplish in my time over there and um, glad I did it, glad I don't have to go back. The, the way you describe that has me wondering whether Fort Wayne's coach last year had been like scouting European hockey a bunch because they were not chipping the puck in. It was driving me crazy. <laughs> they would just curl back every time. And I'm like, you, you don't have the players to, to pull this off right now. <laughs> so that's a great description of the way they play some of the games over there. Yeah, no, uh, it is completely different for sure. Um, one more thing about, you know, Europe before we get back to some E-related topics in Sweden, were your rights traded or did you leave to a different team? Like, how did that happen? Like, obviously it's not your yeah. first time being moved around, but. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we went over to Europe the first time thinking like, oh, at least we'll have like some stability. Like yeah. that was like one of the no things. Like, at least we'll know where we'll be. And it turned out to be the year with the least stability ever. Um, yeah. yeah, Sweden was a weird um, weird transition at the end. Um, I started off with a team called Sodertalia and things were going really well. They were like we were second place at the time. And uh, right before like the transfer deadline, they came up to me and just said that, I wasn't playing the role that they wanted. They said they wanted a second line center that was over six foot. And unfortunately I can't grow. So yeah. Do they know you're five eleven? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I think, I mean, you knew that when you signed me. So <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Uh, um, unfortunately I couldn't help them out with that. Um, <laughs> so it was a very weird sort of unexpected kind of thing. Like they were, 
from being in the Allsvenskan, it's like their second level. They are, they were the team I was on was a team that was like scratching and clawing at getting to the SHL. Like that was their main goal. And they were pretty much going to do whatever they thought they could do to, to get there. I don't feel bad that they didn't get there last year after all that, but um, it actually, it turned out to be fine. Um, Was able to kind of finish off in Ostersund, which was a, uh, a newer team to the league, but they, they treated me great. Uh, Went in, um, it was a different, sort of scenario where instead of we were clawing for the SHL and so Italia, we were clawing to not get regulated or relegated, sorry, in Osterson, which right. was a different dynamic um, altogether, which is very strange, but yeah, um, that's European hockey. And we were able to not get relegated and they celebrated like we had won the league, um, which was very odd. I was, I mean, <laughs> that's a funny story, I guess me and I played with one other import who I'd played with actually in Newfoundland, uh, Trey Bradley. Okay um over there and so we were we've been buddies before um which was nice to have like a, a friend that i was uh that i was with and so we won the like the game to not like to clinch not getting relegated not even and the playoffs were, just not even not the playoffs be, just not, to be last. not not be last or to be like the bottom two teams they right. play a playoff series and then whoever loses that is relegated um <laughs> so we i mean we won the game like it was just like a whatever like to us not a meaningless game, obviously, because there was some like bonuses involved with, with that stuff. Yeah. Like we wanted to win it, obviously, but um, a game that definitely didn't really like it didn't matter. Like we weren't getting relegated; it was good. So we were on for like the final buzzer or whatever. Um, and the team, this team, Osterson, this was their first year up in the league, so it was a huge deal that we didn't know to stay in the league. Um, like this was the first time in five years that the team that had come up to the Osterson can actually stayed. They didn't get just sent right back down. Wow. So we win the game, like whatever. I think we won 5-2. So it wasn't like an overly close game. It wasn't like it was an OT winner or something like that to like clinch it. Right. And we, we win and we're just kind of like, we're in the far end, like the offensive zone. And we win like the game's over. So we're just kind of skating back and we turn around and like, not gloves, gloves weren't being thrown, but like guys are piling on the goalie. <laughs> like fans are going absolutely insane. Coaches is coaches running around the ice like celebrating with the fans and stuff like that. And we were, were like, what's going on? Dying laughing. We were like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was a nice way to end the year. I mean, it was a really yeah. sort of crappy kind of year, obviously with a lot of different ways. So to kind of have that moment was, it was pretty cool. And, and the guys celebrated and it was, it was, it was unique, but um, that was, yeah, that's a funny story. Sorry. Can we just take a moment to to just appreciate like I see I would love to have like relegations in North American hockey like could you imagine yep. like no offense but like Norfolk you you just got sent down to the SPHL for next year like just <laughs> it would add such a great dynamic to me it adds a crazy dynamic I I get it it's also very strange to me but uh, yeah <laughs> it, it it would be an interesting wrinkle that's for sure. So, you know, you've been fortunate to play for some top-notch ECHL organizations, Orlando, Newfoundland, but you also were with the Brampton Beasts, and you were in the trenches there. There was that piece in The Athletic that kind of went viral about they had a writer stay with the Beasts for a road trip and whatnot. That's kind of what everyone envisions the coast being like, or maybe that's how people generalize it. But for yourself, you know, coming out of the OHL, signing as an overager, and then, you know, going to Brampton, what was that experience like and, and any notable memories of long bus rides or being on the side of the highway or, or anything come to mind? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw the piece. So that piece was before me. Oh, perfect. So I, I like <laughs> had this probably unrealistic view of what I was walking into. But um, yeah, it's it's the it was the weirdest probably experience a North American pro hockey player could have gone through at the time, like playing in front of fifteen parents on a Saturday afternoon. And and pro hockey is not kind of what you ideally dream of as a kid um it was a it was an unexpected period i wasn't expecting to be sent down um mm-hmm. from belleville at the time so it was a very sort of whirlwind sort of emotions but i again i mean pro hockey one of the coolest things is kind of the relationships that you build um along the way and mm-hmm. i met some awesome people that i'm still friends with to this day that were on that team and i give a lot of credit to who I am as a player, to the coach that I had down there right away and Colin Shock, And he's the head coach um, now with Edmonton's um, AHL team. And he, he, he gave me a lot of tough love pretty much right away. And pretty much not that I, I don't think I was sulking too much, but definitely probably had a little bit of kind of spoiled 21 year old signing bonus NHL money. deal. Yeah. And I think I had a little bit of that looking back on it. And he, uh, he really taught me how, what it was like to, to be a pro. I gave a, I would give a lot of credit of who I am today as a hockey player to him. And, um, but it was crazy. He was our head coach. He was the assistant coach. He was the power play coach, PK coach. Insane. He might as well have been the goalie coach. He did all the video and it was just him on the bench. And he ran the whole bench, just him, like defense forwards, everything crazy. But it was so like the on ice stuff with him. I mean, he did a fantastic job with it and, he deserves everything that he's getting now because of it. But um, yeah, it was just everything about Brampton was weird. Like it was like the greatest home ice advantage in the world because nobody wanted to come in and play on a Sunday at four in front of six people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, the the guys didn't care. Obviously that was their whole break, but you would get some sleepy starts from teams that are coming in. Brampton flu. (laughs) Yeah. That's a thing. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was weird. We did some crazy bus trips with sleeper buses overnight, which didn't end up being as bad as obviously that, uh, documentary or whatever you want to call it kind of yeah, yeah. portrayed. That was a bad like, week. It was a bad week. I mean, to be honest, I didn't mind the sleeper bus. Like it was something that was, yeah, it was comfy enough that you would go to, you would, you would leave at 10 o'clock at night. You would go to bed and you would wake up and you were you were there wherever you were i mean we did right. one to fort wayne we did one to a couple other places and it's different but uh like waking up at the rink and just getting off the bus and going to do a morning skate but i mean you get to know a lot of guys and you get to play a lot of cards and kind of chit chat and stuff like that so um i think it's probably a good thing they're not in the league anymore probably yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, kind of. A, I guess it, I look back at it with some pretty funny memories and some, some still some friendships that I have to this day. So I can't be, uh, I can't complain too, too much. Weren't you in Brampton when you were traded to like twice within like a span of a week or something? Yeah, that was, yeah. It was you went wild. from Ottawa to Montreal to Toronto? No. So I was in Belleville, Brampton, my rookie year as a yep. pro. Traded to Toronto that summer, part of the Cody CC trade yeah. um then went to newfoundland was in newfoundland for that year 
And then like a week before the deadline, I was pretty convinced that I wasn't going anywhere. Like kind of everything that I had heard was that nothing was going to happen. Got pulled out of a game actually after the first period. Mid game. In in mid game. Wow. Which was the weirdest thing I've ever kind of experienced where you're just sitting there kind of decompressing after a period, whatever guys do kind of. And, uh, got called into the coach's office coach had this because in Newfoundland we were trying like we had one of the best teams mm-hmm. in the year that year um and I was really enjoying hockey then I was <clears throat> we had a really good group of guys blah, blah blah so I was kind of excited to kind of for a stretch run COVID ended up hitting anyway so it wouldn't have mattered but um kind of coach came in John Snowden with like a real like blank stare in his face and he's like come with me and I was like oh I mean I might get yelled at for something I don't know if I did anything <laughs> wrong. right and the the GM uh, well, the assistant GM of the Leafs was in there and he was like, Hey, I just want to let you know we trade you. Um, and I was like, okay, like, cool. Like, where am I going? Like, he's like, you're not going to like this, but we trade you to Ottawa. And I was like, what? Like I had just gotten traded out of there like five, six months prior. Um, and then, yeah, within, I would say 24 hours, not even probably 16 hours. I flew to Belleville, played a game in Belleville, um, was told I was going to stay in Belleville for the rest of the year. So I was like, okay, at least I'm going to kind of be planted in one spot. Then same night I was told I was going to stay in Belleville. I got a text at like 2 a.m. saying I was getting sent to Brampton, that I was getting a car service that morning. Next morning, like 6 a.m. to go to Brampton. So I was like, oh, okay. Went to Brampton, played a game at like four o'clock in the afternoon with like an hour and a half of sleep. Got back to like the team housing that I was playing, that I was living at. Had a guy that I was fairly like friendly with and knew and was kind of just like staying at his place, had a room, blah, blah, blah. And the next day was just, it was, it was a trade deadline. So like we're through on TSN, like the trade center or whatever, like, and, uh, so I'm just sitting there on the couch with like the other two guys on the team and Bob McKenzie goes small trade to announce, but Aaron Luchuk's been traded to the Montreal Canadians for Matthew Pekka. Who's one of my buddies. Like I skated, had skated with Matthew Pekka for years and years. And I was just sitting there like on the couch, like a, like a total grub. <laughs> and I'm, and I was like, what? And my buddy looks at me and he's just like, do you have anything on your phone? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and like that's how I found out and within an instant like everything blew up and then I went got traded to Montreal oh my and then, god yeah I went to Laval I was there for about a week and COVID shut everything down and that was sort of my crazy kind of NHL trade deadline week but yeah at least I got the kind of that experience of Bob McKenzie telling you that you're moving to a different city uh, yeah that exactly. was kind of that was kind of unique but uh, that's a good feather in your cap yeah. Um, yeah. So it's funny, like where you're at with your career. Um, obviously, I'm sure at that point, especially like you were on your ELC then, right? You're on your entry level yeah. deal. Yeah. You know, being traded like that, I'm sure there was a lot of. And then with COVID ending, it must have been really difficult. But we just talked a lot about how stability is important. You're married um, and things like that. How would you kind of gauge what your goal is in hockey right now? Is it, you know, do you still chase the NHL or moving up, or do you kind of are you happy with? where you are like how do you get because i know that when you were in the a two years ago like going up and down a lot that wasn't very fun and it was hard on your wife as well yeah it was i mean like any kind of 
player breaking into the AHL, ECHL, NHL deals. Like the goal is obviously to make the NHL. Yeah. And I would say I gave it as good of a try and as good of an effort as you, you possibly can. Um, and even last year going to Europe was kind of like not a last ditch effort to see if there was a way back, but um, was definitely sort of an idea of maybe go to Europe, light up Europe, and then the NHL kind of can come calling again because I've been in, been in three NHL organizations when I was on my ELC. I was a part of, I was up in Syracuse for a bit. I was in Hartford for most of the year, a couple of years ago. And uh, I mean, it, it, there is parts of it that I wish I could have changed and things could have gone differently and stuff like that, but I wouldn't have changed any of it either. Um, COVID really hit for me at a bad time, especially uh, with my deal being up that same year. Um, going to Laval when I did, um, they pretty much had said, we'd love to kind of give you a look, but we're not going to re-up your deal after only seeing you play two games. Um, so it was like a lot of moments like that, that obviously I, I at the time were really hard. Um, and I'm a big believer that God has a plan for everybody in, in this world. And I look back at it and if none of this happened, I don't, I don't meet my wife um, in Orlando that COVID year. Um, I wouldn't have gone to play in Orlando or anything like that. So um, looking back on it for that point of view, like, I'm happy the way my career has gone. And then for now, um, I'm, I've, I've, we've been craving stability. Um, for last year was the goal to have stability. Didn't have it. Um, and we're really looking to, some, to lay some roots um, here in Orlando. So I'm not going to be kind of doing what I have done in the past where up to the AHL for a week, back down, up to the AHL mm-hmm. for three months, down. Like, that's just not fair to my wife um, at this point. And, um no kids yet, but we'll be having kids here in the next couple of years. And it's just, to me, it, it wouldn't be fair for not that they would be, I guess, well, like kind of selfish um, reasons to try and chase a, a dream that would be compromising sort of my wife's well-being and, and our marriage and stuff like that. So we're very lucky to have found a situation like Orlando. I feel like a lot of guys in my sort of position when they're getting not older, because I wouldn't consider myself old, I'm 26, but are kind of at this stage of their career where they're kind of past like the AHL NHL window, but still want to play hockey. Don't mm-hmm. end up finding a place that can give them that stability. So they end up kind of just getting a job back home wherever they're from and kind of move on with their life, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. um, with my wife being, she's American. So she's now got a full-time job. She's a tennis pro down here in Orlando. So that works out really well. And um, you know, I make a good amount down here to, to kind of keep us, where we need to be financially. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of exciting to be know that we're going to be in one spot and um, really kind of past couple of years, because I've moved around so much, you never really kind of feel like you're fully a part of a team. I guess you could say, like you kind of just feel like you're a Jersey Jersey holder for a little bit of it, which mm-hmm. kind of sucks because sometimes you don't really feel not that you don't care about winning, but that, sometimes you're more kind of worried about keeping your spot in a lineup than you are worried about like the team winning games and stuff like that, which can be pretty mentally draining. So I think this year going into it, we have uh, a pretty good roster coming into Orlando and um, I'm really excited to hopefully bring a Kelly cup to the city. I know the city hasn't seen playoff hockey in five years. So 
um, for everything that's down here and the facilities that are down here and the way we get treated. That shouldn't be the case. So um, hopefully this is the year that turns things around and um, we're able to make a deep run at it. And I'm excited to, you know, just be in one spot and really kind of commit to a team and uh, see where that takes us. Aaron, as the uh, as the old guy in the room, so old that I covered Colin Chalk for 11 seasons, I think it was. Yeah. Here, here's my advice to you, listening to all that. Happy wife, happy life. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. I, 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 it sounds like you got the priorities right on, on that respect. Keep, keep her happy. Yeah. No, and that's the goal. I think uh, she obviously, this is, she's from Ohio originally, but um, this has become where her home is and before, even before we met. So, um, a lot of things have lined up over these kind of past couple of years that really make you think that this is where I'm supposed to be. So, um, yeah, really excited about kind of giving it a real good try. I mean, I haven't played in a single city since the last time I was in Orlando during the COVID year where like you weren't, people weren't going anywhere. Like it was more of, I was forced to stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to know that I'm not going to be traveling and living out of a suitcase in a hotel for months and months is amazingly fun as that is of living out of a single suitcase and not having laundry and all that stuff. Um, I'm really excited to just kind of be a part of something here and really try and grow the program down here and um, hopefully create a fair amount of success for me and the uh, solar bears. Good stuff. Uh, Aaron Luchuk of the Orlando solar bears. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, we'll have you on again. I'm sure this season. Sounds good. Thanks guys.